than he is in Did y'all listen to that? It says, I'm super victorious. I'm not just victorious, I'm super victorious. You know, probably if we really got into that, I wouldn't even be preaching right now. Because when they start singing, put him under your feet. Put him under your feet. See, if you really believe that, and you really believe the spiritual war that we're fighting here right now, amen? You wouldn't be able to just hold your peace. It's about like the prophet that went to the king and said, I want you to shoot the arrow out the window. He just half-heartedly shot it. Oh, I'm just appeasing the old man. Shot it again. He said, shoot it again, and he shot it. And the moral of the story was, if he would have really got into what the prophet was telling him to do, he would have smitten every enemy around him. But because he was just going through the motions... And he, and he didn't really believe the spiritual significance of what was going on. He was only able to smite his enemy, I believe, three times, if I remember correct. Put him under your feet. Well, I need to preach. Sometimes I think it's just decent in order just to get out in an aisle and have a devil stomping time and the Holy Ghost. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. But it's fun. Oh, praise God. I want to give honor to your pastor and his wife. Truly, you're blessed of the Lord to have such great people of God. Amen. What a what a beautiful group of people today. Amen. I, I, I tell you what, just there's just this is just a good looking group of people. Amen. Uh, there's not a foul one in the bunch today. I don't believe. Might be a few close calls, but um, happy Father's Day. I want to give honor to all of our fathers today. God bless you. And if you have your Bibles, could we go to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 35 is where I'll begin reading. What a time we had yesterday um, for all those that showed up. Um, I believe we had around 20 people somewhat show up yesterday to go out. And um, we got somewhere around 19 20, 18, 19, 20 Bible studies. And 
I am so excited about that. Um, the only way it could have been any better is that we'd have had a few more people show up and we'd have got that many more. But I am so excited about the Bible studies that we've got because those are souls. And they don't just represent themselves, they represent their entire families. Amen? And we have done something miraculous in that we went out in an hour's time and met complete strangers on the street. And we found in an hour's time about 19, at least 19 people that said, I'm interested in you teaching me a Bible study. That's miraculous. And uh, yesterday we talked with someone that um, had been here for 21 years in this church. And in 21 years of history, she couldn't remember any time that we ever went out all day long on a Saturday, maybe even all month long, and got 19 Bible studies. And we just went out yesterday and did it in one hour. That's revolutionary. Amen. We're at the brink of a revival like this city has never yet seen. Amen. It's a good thing that we're already ready to build another building because we're going to need it. Amen. you guys want me to preach Romans chapter 8 verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a powerful portion of Scripture. What shall separate me from the love of God? Nothing. You know, the Word of God is powerful. And you can take portions of Scripture like that and you can let it just sink into your heart and your soul. What's, what's the word that pastor just used? Sometimes you just got to... Get an attitude, yeah. You've got to get an attitude. Say, devil, ungodly world, ungodly generation, society, you can say and do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to have godliness in our lives and in our homes. We're going to have the love of God in our lives. What shall separate me from the love of God? Shall tribulation or peril or wickedness or sword or nakedness or famine. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to say. Whatever you want to try and steal away from me. You can take what you want. But you can't take the love of God out of my life and out of my home. Sometimes you just got to stand up and get an attitude and say, Devil, I'm not putting up with your junk anymore. And you just got to get out in an aisle and say, put him under your feet. 
Now, if you really knew you had him under your feet, would you just go? Oh, oh, oh poor little devil. No. No, when you think about the times he's tried to steal your anointing, when you think about the times he's tried to break your marriage apart, when you think about the times he's come against your children, when you think about the times... Oh, preacher, you're supposed to be dignified. Forget dignity. He delivered me from a devil's hell. He set me free from an ungodly lifestyle. He put my feet on a straight street. He blessed me. Oh, you can act dignified if you want to, but he set me free. I'm going to put him under my feet. Well, preacher, they don't do this in the church down the street. True, but they don't feel this in the church down the street either. Woo! Well, well, they can go to the ball game and they can do it for the Lakers. can do it for my Jesus and there's no devil in hell that says I can't what can separate me from the love of God nothing no tribulation no trial no famine the gas prices can keep just going up but I'm going to keep loving God and God's going to keep taking care of me somebody ought to just say woo Not because it's necessarily scriptural, just because it feels good. Woo! My goodness. Well, I could preach my message or we could just make an altar call right here. Hallelujah. Makes me want to go teach a Bible study. Or get something to eat, or both. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. But one thing. Hold your finger up like this. There's one thing that will separate me from the love of God. Me. Me, right here. Some of you didn't point at yourself. I saw you. I want to preach for just a short while. My title being Unsevered Love. Unsevered Love. Somebody shout hallelujah one more time. And you may be seated. When, um, when I was a young teenage boy, my mother, she purchased a, um, a bird or a pet. Um, it was a small Australian parrot called a cockatiel. It was a funny-looking bird. He had a gray body, and he had yellow and orange feathers on the top of his head that just stood straight up. He looked like a punk rocker from the 80s. And um, he was a very unique bird in that he learned to talk. And he's a pretty bird. And he wants a cracker. And he's a pretty bird. He could do the microwave just perfect. You could put your, your dish in, press your time and start, and 
you would think that the microwave was finished because it would go dee, 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 but it was just the bird. He could do the microwave perfect. He was a very unique bird in that um, he learned to whistle a certain song, and this, this won't be very impressive uh, to you guys, but if you grew up where I did and you were part of the culture that I was, it would be very impressive in that he could whistle the Alabama Crimson Tide song. And at the end of the song, he would say, Roll Tide. And I can see that you're not very impressed with that. But if you come where I come from, that was impressive. And that bird was worth a lot of money to be able to do such a thing. And he learned to say different things like, um, Shut up, Andy. I don't, I don't know where he picked that up, but he managed to pick that up somewhere along the way. They normally pick up what they hear the most. Andy's a pretty bird. Andy wants a cracker. Andy's a pretty bird. Shut up, Andy. Roll tide. Shut up, Andy. Roll tide. But I, I learned something very unique about this bird because my mother had purchased another bird, Susie, and put Susie in the cage with Andy, and they very quickly became lovebirds. And then something happened to Susie. And it was just Andy again by himself after, after some time. And as a young teenage boy, this, this sunk deep within my soul. I learned that once this bird takes a mate, it never mates again. You can put another bird in there and he would just fight with it. Because they mate for life. Somewhere within its being, somewhere within its makeup, God created it to love once and that sunk deep within my soul for my i didn't understand that and i wasn't raised to understand that my uh my parents they ran off in rebellion and got married when they were 16 high school sweethearts and i was born when they were barely 18 and they were divorced before they were 19 and I have no memory of my parents ever being together. My father went on to be married six times and my mother four. And my childhood growing up was one divorce after another, back and forth. And I did not understand or comprehend this. So when I found out about this bird, it touched my soul as a teenage boy. And I said, I want to be like that bird. I want to fall in love and I want to marry once. They can do what they want to do, but I want, and I'm so thankful for my beautiful wife and whom I have been married to. She is my first wife and I love her more today than the day we married. And I have been married to her longer than my dad was to any of his wives. And um, I'm thankful for that because God has helped me. Amen. God can make a difference in your life when the world says He can't. Amen? You've come too late to tell me that God doesn't still help people. People need God. The soul of man needs God and needs that kind of love. We live in a generation in which out of every three marriages, two are going to end in a divorce. We live in a generation that does not understand what God hath joined together. Let no man put asunder. We live in a generation that they do not know what monogamous fidelity means. Much less how to practice it. There's power in love.
And the enemy wants to steal that away from us and replace it with something called lust. There was a woman who she smoked cigarettes for 49 years of her life. And for that amount of time, guess what she tried to do? She tried to quit. Time after time after time. New Year's resolution after New Year's resolution. And she failed miserably each time. I'm never going to do it again. And then there she is. Failing miserably. Can anybody relate with that? But something happened. When she was 78 years old, she met a man who was 79. And they fell in love. And they were going to get married. And he said something, though. He said, I want to marry you. But I cannot. Because I can't deal with the cigarette smoke. Guess what she did? She quit smoking. Not by her willpower because it had failed time after time again. But she quit smoking because of a thing called the power of love. The most powerful force in the universe. If you're going to be able to live for God, if you're going to please God, it's going to be because you fall in love with Him. Not because you have some great willpower. Not because you're some great person. Not because you're perfect. Because you'll find that you'll fail miserably time and time again. But if I could fall in love with Him. Can I get a witness right now? If I could fall in love with Jesus, I will be super victorious. And I'll put that joker called the devil under my feet. Amen? Not because I'm something great, but because greater is He that is in me. Than he that is in this world. I'm super victorious. No, no. Somebody needs to just stomp the devil. You know, that feels pretty good. Oh, praise God. The enemy wants to deplete the love out of this world. I'll give you an example. One of our best known encyclopedias, 200 years ago, they devoted five pages to the word love in their encyclopedia. And they took four lines, only four lines, and devoted it to the word Adam. 200 years ago, we knew a lot about love, and we knew very little about the Adam. Today, the same encyclopedia has devoted five pages to the word Adam, and the word love has been completely omitted from the encyclopedia. The world is trying to take the love of God out of our midst. The enemy is trying to take the love of God out of our midst and replace it with a thing called lust. But if we're going to have a revival in this generation, if we're going to do the will of God, if we're going to make a difference in our world, amen, if we're ever going to be able to go out and get a Bible study, if we're ever going to make a difference in somebody else's life, it's going to be because of a thing called love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. Love can break any bondage. Love can heal any hurt, amen. Love can deliver anything. 
Can I get a witness right now? Love is the most powerful force in the universe. God is love. Nothing is impossible when we put love into the equation. Famous painter was painting a portrait of the Lord Jesus. And he was putting his final touches upon this beautiful portrait. As a lady came up behind him and began to observe his finishing touches. She made a comment. She said, oh, you must love him so very much in order to paint him so well. He stopped what he was doing and, and he turned. And he said to her, I do love him so very much. But I wish I could love him more. Because if I could love him more, I could paint him better. And that's how I feel this afternoon. I wish I could love him more. Because if I could love him more, I could preach about him better. If we could love him more, we could play and sing about him better. If we could love him more, we could pray to him better. If we could love him more, we could worship him better. If we could love him more, we could praise him better. If we could fall in love with him just a little bit more, we could stomp the devil under our feet just a little better. That's how I feel this morning. If we could fall in love with Jesus, if we could fall in love with our Father, this is Father's Day, if we could fall in love with our Father, which art in heaven, all over again, and forget what the world says, forget what the devil says, forget what they say we have to be, amen? There's enough negative out there in this world. There has to be some positive in the house of the Lord. There has to be the love of God in the house of the Lord. This has to be a house of deliverance. This has to be a house of power and anointing, amen? We have to fall in love with Him more in this generation. Could you clap your hands to the Lord? When I think about the first time I learned of, of Jesus, the story of Jesus, I, I can think about the, the, um, the time he was in Gethsemane praying in the garden, knowing the anguish, the hurt, the pain, the suffering that he was to go through. Not only that, but having the stress or the pressure of the sins of the world pressing upon him. Not only present, but both past and future. Could you imagine? He asked his disciples to pray with him for an hour. And he went off a distance from them and began to pray. He prayed with such anguish. Scripture says that it was as sweat. Great drops of blood begin to flow from his face. Medical science says that it is possible for a human being to pray, or not necessarily to pray, but just to be in such anguish, in such turmoil, that it is possible that blood would literally seep from his pores. It's possible. Can you imagine the anguish that he went through? Can you imagine going to his disciples and finding them asleep? And waking them, a fright on their faces when they looked up and they saw 
their master with a bloody face and no doubt his garment soiled with the blood that flowed from his face crying to them, could you not tarry one hour? Could you not just pray with me for an hour? I think about the first time I learned that about this story. They hung him on the cross. You see, I didn't learn about it in Sunday school. I learned about it from watching the movie. And they hung him on the cross. They began to, to make fun of him. And they would say, he saved others, but he can't save himself. And then they would mock him and they would say, come down there and save yourself. Then we'll believe you are who you say you are. We'll believe you're the king of the Jews. We'll believe you're the son of God. Come down and save yourself. And I remember when I watched that, there was a faith in my five-year-old heart. And I'm glad it was there. I'm glad God put it there. And that faith cried out and said, why doesn't he just come down and show them? See, I didn't understand that we had to have his blood shed. I didn't understand that by the nature of God, by his holiness and righteousness, that he couldn't just overlook the sins of the world and pretend like they didn't happen. There had to be a price to be paid. And really the only one that could pay it was he himself. A sinless flesh. I didn't understand all this. So I said, why doesn't he just come down and show them who the boss is? But I think about the old song that says it was more than the nails that held him to the cross. You see, he could have come down any time he wanted to. But it was a thing called love that held him to that cross. Jesus said it this way. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. John said it this way in 1 John chapter 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world, it's going to pass away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world and the lust of the world, it's going to fail. But love, it's going to abide forever. First John 4 and 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he hath loved, for, for he that loveth his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother 
also. The word of God is so powerful. Preacher, why are you preaching to us about love? As an evangelist, I'm supposed to preach faith. I'm supposed to preach the miraculous. Is there any sick among you? Come forward. Let me lay hands upon you. Prayer of faith will heal you. So I'm supposed to preach about the Holy Ghost. But all of those things are useless if we don't get this as our foundation. If we're truly going to have the revival that God wants us to have, it's going to be built upon a foundation of an unselfish love. A love that says, I'll sacrifice a couple of hours and I'll come on Saturday and I'll reach out to someone else no matter how uncomfortable it makes me feel. I'm going to reach out to somebody else because I want the love of God to pierce into their heart and into their soul and I want to make a difference in my generation. I want to make a difference in my city. Come on, God has called us to turn our world upside down. But we're not going to turn our world upside down from inside this building. Oh, it feels good and we can talk about it, but we've got to get a hold of a thing called love. I could say, I could say, who needs healing? Come forward. And your faith would cause you to say, yes, that's me. But you see, there's something that can steal your faith. It's called fear. Fear can override your faith every time. And your fear says, oh, wait a minute. He probably wasn't talking about me. But maybe he was. What if we could start praying with people, not only with faith? See, I believe Jesus was so effective because there's a certain equation that he operated under. Not only faith, but faith and love. How many times do we come expecting deliverance or expecting healing and we walk away still sick, still plagued? Is this all right? And, but then you, you read about the stories of Jesus and then you read about men that have tapped into this. I, I read about one man um, in the late 1800s. His name was John Alexander Dowie. He had a powerful healing ministry. And he didn't even have the Holy Ghost. It was, it was recorded that people lined up two miles, horse and buggy, with sick people for two miles to have him pray for them. And not one of them was turned away without their healing. I believe there have been men that have tapped into this thing that they could love like God loves and with a faith. You see, because your fear steals your faith. But if you can love with a perfect love, it casts out all fear. This is, this is Father's Day, and I, and I used this example yesterday, but I think I want to use it again right now. And I commend all the fathers. Fathers that are biblical. 
Because the Bible says, love your wives. Love your family. You see, a father that loves his family. Someone could break into his home. And and just like my friend here, he's he's not a big guy. He's, He's about the same size as myself. But there's something much more powerful than his stature. It's called a love for his family. And you let a man break into his home, it doesn't matter how big they are, how many. It doesn't matter what kind of gun they have, what kind of knife they have. I'll show you a man that will rise up. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He will rise up with a perfect love. And he will begin to defend his home. I'll show you a man that has no fear. I'll show you a man that says, if you're going to get to my wife, if you're going to get to my children, you're going to have to come through me. You're going to have to come through me. A man that has no fear. I commend you, fathers, to love your families with a perfect love. And I commend you, church, to tap into that kind of love with a perfect love. Because we're not going to have the revival that God wants us to have until we learn to tap into that kind of love. But if we could tap into that kind of love, a love that has no fear, we will turn our city upside down for the name of Jesus Christ. We will make a difference like God has called us to make a difference. We will have purpose like God has given us purpose. Let's all stand. I've preached long enough. What if we could pray for one another with a perfect love that has no fear? When I was when I was nine years old, I was separated from my dad. See, from as far back as I could remember, I always lived with my dad. And I started school in South Dakota, Ellsworth Air Force Base. My dad had joined the service. And I went to school there all the way through to the third grade. My dad had gone through a divorce. And he had come to me and asked me a question. It was a hard question for a nine-year-old boy. He said, son, how would you like to go live with your mom for a while? Would you like to do that? I'd never been asked that question before. My mother lived in Birmingham, Alabama. And I had my two younger brothers there. And I said to my dad, yes, dad, I I think I would like to go. I think I would like to go live with my mom for a while. Spend time with my brother. I think I would like that. Had I known the outcome, I probably would have chose different. You see, because my dad was my hero. I looked up to my dad more than any person in the world. And when my dad hugged me goodbye and told me that he loved me and I got on that airplane, 
was a nine-year-old boy and flew to Birmingham, Alabama. I had no idea that it would be over three years before I was able to see my dad again. I was 12 years old before I saw my dad again. The ages that I really needed my dad. I was separated from him. Separated from my father. After that, our relationship was never really the same again because something had separated us. We would call on birthdays or even today I would call and say, Happy Father's Day, Dad. How are you doing? Good. Working hard. Well, appreciate you calling, son. A relationship was set. It had only been in the past few years that we'd really started drawing closer together that we would call and talk and our conversation would be of some length. This is an emotional day for me because I I just lost my dad a year and a half ago. He was a very young man. He was only 50 years old. And I had a lot of plans for my dad. You see, my dad had never even heard me preach before. And I figured we've got time. I'll I'll settle down one, one of these days. And I can get my dad to come visit me and we'll spend some time together. I'll be able to share with him. And our relationship can be closer. I had plans. But once again, I was separated from my dad. But you see, when, when I was 19 years old, I made my way into a Pentecostal prayer room before a church service had ever even started. And there I gave my life to God and He filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in His name, having my sins washed away. And all of that happened before the service ever even started. And I learned right there that I had a Father in Heaven that would never leave me, that would never forsake me. He was a friend that would stick closer than a brother. I learned right there that I had a Father in Heaven that I could have a relationship. I have made up in my mind that I will not allow anything to separate me from the love of my Father. There's no tribulation. There's no trial. There's no ungodliness. There's no sin. There's nothing.
I've got a father that he'll never turn his back on. He'll never let me down. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He's always right on time. He may not come when I want him, but he is always on time. You see, to sever is to separate violently. So that lets me know that an unsevered love would be one that's violently held together. And that's what I'm preaching about, an unsevered love. You see, the kingdom of the kingdom suffereth violence. But it's the violent to take it by force. It's that it's that attitude, Pastor, that says I've had enough. But you see, we we so easily allow our little selfish sins to separate us from Him. But God's calling a generation to fall in love with Him all over again. To love Him more than we love ourselves. I want to open up this sanctuary for prayer right now. If if you have been touched by the Word of God, could you let it be known if, 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 if this service has moved you from the beginning all the way until now, could you let it be known by, by making your way to an altar or making your way out into an aisle or even stepping out toward the back and praying? And, and this, is, this is the reason is if I've really been moved, I'm going to move. I'm not going to just stay in my seat unmoved. There's something about stepping out and saying, I proclaim, I'm going to fall in love with Him. I'm going to fall in love with my Father in Heaven all over again. I'm not going to allow my sin to separate me from Him. Some of you, do you remember the first time you fell in love with Him? Do you remember the first time He touched you? The first time you felt that peace in your soul? The first time the love of God was just bubbling over out of your soul? We need to go back to our first love. I don't want to be like the church of Ephesus which was rebuked for leaving her first love. You see, we're among a generation that is dry-eyed. We're among a generation that's hard-hearted because the world has caused us to be that way. We're among a generation that's not tender before the Lord. We're full of apathy and indifference. We care more for ourselves than we do for others. But 
God is calling us to have a revival. God is calling us to have a revival of love. God is calling us to make a difference in our world. Come on. You see, the world wants us to be reserved when it comes to the things of God. You see, they want us to be passionate about the things of the world, but they want us reserved when it comes to the things of God. But God wants us reserved when it comes to the things of the world and passionate about Him. You see, the Lakers ball game wouldn't be this quiet right now. Lord, baptize us with a passion for You. Baptize us with a passion for You. Help us that we fall in love with You. I want to love You more, Lord, because I want to be a better person. Come on. Come on, could You call out to the Lord right now? Could we lift our hands and could we lift our voices to the Lord? Oh, if they can lift their hands in a ball game, I can lift my hands in the house of the Lord. If they can shout in a ball game, I can shout to the Lord. Because only He is worthy of the praise. My God, I come to love you. Love never fails. You see, though I speak with the tongues of men and as angels and have not love, I am becoming a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith and could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, if profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long. Love is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Love is not puffed up. Love doth not behave itself unseemly. Love seeketh not her own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinketh no evil. L love does not rejoice in iniquity. But love rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes for all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Come on, church. Could we love Him right now? Come on, reach over if it's appropriate and, and lay hands on someone next to you. Lay a hand over on his shoulder. Could we love one another as we love God right now? Come on.
Come on. Come on, could we humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to the Lord? Could we love Him right now? See, the world has tried to latch on to us and cause us to be carnal. The world has caused us to be dry-eyed and hard-hearted and indifferent. So much so that it's even right now as the Spirit of God is moving and people are being touched and blessed. Some of us can't even feel God. Lord, remove from us the hardness. Remove from us any indifference. I rebuke a spirit of apathy in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, the Spirit of God is moving right now. It's not the will of God for the saint of God to stand looking around unmoved. Come on, come on, we need to press through right now. We need to press through right now, church, come on. Come on. Come on. We need this to sink into our soul. We can't leave this place unchanged and unmoved. Come on. Come on. God's making a difference right now. In Jesus' name, can we bind together with unity right now? In Jesus' name, can we bind together with unity right now? Come on, sister. You haven't prayed like you used to pray. God's calling you back to that place of prayer. God's calling you to surrender yourself one more time. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. 
Come on, sir, ma'am. Come on. Come on, sir. Why don't you just why don't you just grab her by the hand and bring her out into the aisle? Why don't you just touch God together? God wants to make a difference in your life. God wants to change you. Don't ignore it. Let God bless you this day. Come on, if you're a guest here, I invite you. I invite you to come forward and allow us to pray with you. Come on. God wants to put His blessing into your soul. God wants to put His love into your soul.
altars open. We're going to allow you to be dismissed as you need to go. But this is just such a beautiful atmosphere. And the word that we receive today is a word that I believe we just need to let it get into us. You know, there's such a thing as hearing a message and then there's hearing the word. Amen. And uh, I believe the word of God to us today has been profound and, uh, and, and perfect. The timing is perfect. The measure was perfect. Its impact was perfect. And we just need to let it settle into our spirit like we're doing right now. And uh, because this is what Christianity is about. Christianity Christianity is not about um, willpower and rules and uh, seeking to improve yourself. Christianity is, is about being so in love with Jesus that you refuse to let anything affect that relationship. You refuse to let anything separate you from that relationship with the Lord. And I I just feel close to Jesus right now. How many of you feel that way? Anybody else feel close to the Lord right now? Anybody feel like you're just in love with Him all over again? Just that that, uh, love, that extreme feeling, that passion, that love for Jesus. That's the atmosphere that will take you all the way to glory. Amen. And so, as I said, I'm going to just say a word of prayer, and I'm going to encourage you to continue praying if you want to, or you can be dismissed. And uh, all of our fathers, we do have a gift when you leave. Make sure you get it. Uh, the um, hostess and the, the usher back there will make sure you get a gift. It's a fantastic book, fantastic book, and I encourage you to pick that up. 
on the way out. God bless you. Jesus, we thank you for all the blessings you've given to us. What a powerful touch of your spirit. Tender um, lingering of your holy presence, Lord Jesus. We thank you for it. Thank you for you.